Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. With your host, Linnea Hubbard. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. I'm Linnea Hubbard and today is Monday, May 15th, 2023. It's been 3,365 days since Russia occupied Crimea on February 27, 2014, and 446 days since the large-scale invasion of Ukraine began. Today's podcast looks at what happened yesterday in the Russia-Ukraine war. The Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from direct contacts in Ukraine and their proxies, Russian Ministry of Defense reports, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine reports, Operational Commands North, South, and East of Ukraine, Open Source Intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geolocation experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian mill bloggers and social media accounts with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission, to report the truth, because the truth matters. Let's start with our assessment of the current status of the war. First, we assess the Russian Federation has changed its tactics for missile and drone strikes, opting to launch a small number of missiles on a more frequent basis and targeting areas with little military value, but that appeal to an internal audience as proof of continued successful operations. Second, the rift between the Russian Ministry of Defense, or MOD, and private military company, or PMC Wagner Group, continues to disrupt Russian military operations in the Solidar and Bakhmut operational areas. Third, we maintain that Ukrainian forces have ended their retrograde operation. Fourth, in preparation for larger offensive operations, Ukrainian forces continue shaping operations on multiple axes, creating panic and uncertainty among Gauleiters, Russian administrators, and military leaders. And finally, We've identified shaping activity by the Ukrainian armed forces in four locations that could indicate a larger attack is being prepared. Let's get some regional updates and, since it's a Monday, check in with both belligerents' objectives, starting with Kharkiv. The Russian objective is to prepare for the Ukrainian offensive, hold current defensive lines, and terrorize Ukrainian civilians near the line of conflict. The Ukrainian objective is to liberate the northeastern corner of the oblast, hold defensive lines in the Dvorichna and Kupiansk operational areas, and protect civilians and civilian infrastructure. In the Dvorichna operational area, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, reported that Russian forces launched multiple attacks in the direction of Masyutivka, but were unable to advance to new positions. Russian forces also unsuccessfully attempted to advance on Sinkivka. In the Kupiansk operational area, the Russian MOD reported that Ukrainian surveillance, reconnaissance, and sabotage, or DRG, units were operating near Ivanivka. Moving on to the Donbass region in Luhansk. The Russian objective here is to prepare for the Ukrainian offensive, prevent further Ukrainian advances, and control insurgent activity. The Ukrainian objective is to break Russian defensive lines, advance on Svatova, Kremina, and Lusychansk, and support insurgents. 
In the Svartova operational area, Russian military mill blogger Rybar reported that Ukrainian forces had secured the village of Kuzimivka and then denied the claim 40 minutes later. Rybar then reported that the confusion was caused because Ukrainian units were attempting to operate in the village but were unable to fully occupy the area due to the terrain, and then denied that any territorial control changes had occurred. We did not update the map. The GSAFU reported that Russian offensives in the direction of Novoselivske and east of Stelmechivka failed. In northeast Donetsk, the Russian objective is to capture Bakhmut, set conditions to attack Kramatorsk, Slovyansk, and Siversk, and capture the entire region. The Ukrainian objective is to defend Siversk and Bakhmut, push into the Luhansk Oblast, and minimize civilian casualties. In the Bakhmut operational area, PMZ Wagner leader Prigozhin again suggested that if the Russian MOD does not better train and equip and value soldiers, it could spark a revolution within Russia. The Russian MOD reported completing 107 fire missions in the Bakhmut operational area, and Russian Army Aviation and Air Force, or VKS, completed 24 close air support sorties. We estimate that Ukrainian forces maintain control of 2.6 square kilometers of Bakhmut, that's a little over a square mile, or roughly 6.25% of the city, with PMC Wagner making marginal gains in the north districts. In northwest Bakhmut, the GSAFU reported that Russian-aligned forces attacked in the direction of Hryurivka, Bohdanivka, and Khromova, with no change to the situation. There was conflicting information on the situation in northern Bakhmut, with PMC Wagner making territorial gains in the direction of the Children's Hospital. There were multiple claims of fighting at or near the supermarket on Livanevskoho Street and claims of fighting on or south of Victory of Donbass Street. We extended the line of conflict to the Victory of Donbass Street while expanding the gray zone to the supermarket north of the T-506 highway in west-central Bakhmut. There were no reported territorial changes in west-central and southern Bakhmut. South of Ivanivsky, Russian and Ukrainian sources, including PMC Wagner, reported that Russian troops withdrew from the Ivanivsky forest, liberating up to 10 kilometers of remote territory, but securing high ground east of Klishivka that overlooks an open lowland. In the Klishivka operational direction, PMC Wagner continued attempts to restore lost positions on the west bank of the Seversky Donetsk Donbass Canal east of Stupochki without success. The Russian MOD reported that the commander of the 4th Motorized Rifle Brigade of the 2nd Army Corps, Colonel Vyacheslav Makarov, was killed in action on May 13th in Klishivka while personally leading the Russian defense. The Kremlin also reported that the deputy commander of the Army Corps for military political work, also known as a political officer, Colonel Yevgeny Brovko, was killed in action by shrapnel while leading his troops during a Ukrainian attack. The death of a political officer leading troops in combat is significant because military political work units are used as barrier troops in the second echelon to maintain discipline, prevent retreats, return deserters to their units, and threaten forces with imprisonment and execution, or make examples of Russian troops in order to maintain control. In our assessment, the use of barrier troops led by a senior officer indicates there is a shortage of personnel and a breakdown in command and control. 
Russian forces attempted to repulse the Ukrainian advance toward Klishivka with an attack in the direction of Pretechne, which was unsuccessful. The GSAFU reported an attack by Russian-aligned forces near Bilahora failed to regain lost positions. In southwest Donetsk, the Russian objective is to prepare for the Ukrainian offensive, consolidate gains made during the winter offensive, and set conditions for September 2023 elections. The Ukrainian objective is to lock Russian military assets in place, defend the existing line of conflict while finding and exploiting weaknesses, destroy troop concentrations and command and control sites, interdict supplies, and disrupt logistics. There were only reports of localized positional fighting near Avdeevka. Fighting for Marinka was also limited to positional fighting, with no change in the situation. In the Black Sea, Crimea, Mykolaiv, and Odessa region, Operational Command South, or OKS, reported that the Black Sea Fleet has 10 vessels on patrol, including two frigates and one kilo-class submarine capable of launching up to 18-caliber cruise missiles in total. Let's talk about developments theater-wide and outside Ukraine. Russian mill blogger Andriy Murazov, who has provided accurate assessments on Russian military readiness in the past, commented on Ukraine's current strategy, writing, quote, It is interesting for the enemy, that would be Ukraine, to force ours to fight in an uncomfortable configuration in several places, on their own terms, with the complete dominance of their UAVs in the air and the Mavics of the Russian Federation Armed Forces from the store firmly planted on the ground with which our units were completed to the best of their ability at the expense of volunteers. This will provide the enemy with maximum efficiency in destroying our manpower with artillery and tanks occasionally used as assault guns. The counteroffensive will not be instantaneous, contrary to the expectations of our public. It has to be a combination of several long moves. The degree of success of our defense at this stage is determined and will be determined not by how much territory was left or not left, but by how much the enemy knocked out our personnel. The enemy is now very interested not in advancing forward, but in the depletion of our units. End quote. Assessment here. We have maintained that through Russia's winter offensive, Ukraine was attempting to maximize Russian casualties through the so-called defender bonus which is that a military unit on defense generally suffers fewer casualties than a military unit in an offensive, between 1 to 3 to 1 to 7, depending on numerous variables. Ukrainian Air Force spokesperson Colonel Yuri Ignat accused Russia of launching missiles in or through Moldovan and Transnistrian airspace using terrain to conceal the initial trajectories. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, continuing his diplomatic trip across Europe, said that a, quote, fighter coalition was being established to secure modern Western combat aircraft for Ukraine. The Oryx database of visually confirmed heavy equipment losses for both Russia and Ukraine is up to date as of May 14th. Of note, Russian forces lost two winged aircraft and three rotorcraft over the last week, most of those in a single day while Ukraine had no visually confirmed aircraft losses. Also notable, Ukraine lost five engineering vehicles to Russia's one. And that's what we know. Join me again tomorrow for more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. 
You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.